0: It's Tua versus Taysom. Will the New Orleans Saints have Sean Payton on the sideline? And while the Saints are looking to start a winning streak, the Miami Dolphins are looking to extend theirs to seven games. It's the most comprehensive Miami Dolphins at New Orleans Saints preview here on this Locked on Saints, Locked on Dolphins crossover Thursday. Let's get it.
1: You are Locked on Saints. Your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: All right, everybody, welcome into this Crossover Thursday episode here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This week, it is Locked On Dolphins, Locked On Saints, Get you ready for the Miami Dolphins and the New Orleans Saints going head-to-head on Monday Night Football. Thanks so much for making this Locked On Crossover your first listen of the day. And don't forget, we're free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. On today's episode, we have the one, the only Kyle Krabs, host of Locked On Dolphins and Director of Scouting over at the Draft Network. Kyle, how you holding up, buddy? Man, don't put that kind of pressure on me saying the one and only or anything like
1: that. (laughs) I'm just pumped to come on and talk a little ball. We get an extra day for the game, which that kind of stinks. But hey, this is a nice bridge for uh, Dolphins and Saints fans to kind of get through. Uh, the Monday or the Sunday law and the, the Monday doldrums next
0: week. Absolutely. Absolutely. You follow Kyle on Twitter at grinding the tape. And of course, I am Ross Jackson, host of locked on Saints at Ross Jackson. Nola, thanks again, everybody for tuning in. So we're going to dive right in here and be able to go through. Uh, Kyle's got some questions for me about the Saints. I've got some questions for Kyle about the Dolphins. And then we'll get into what wins look like for both of these teams. And of course, get you all the betting lines and everything you need on this matchup as well. So Kyle, the uh, Miami Dolphins visiting. The New Orleans Saints. Why don't we kick it over to you, and we'll get started here with our crossover Thursday.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, I think obviously the the big headline for New Orleans coming into this week, from my perspective and outsider's perspective, is Mm -hmm. y'all just shut out Tom Brady for the first time since the Dolphins did it when Nick Uh, Saban was the head coach, never two thousand and (laughs) six. So, I guess my primary question for you is: This is a seven and seven Saints football team, and what a hallmark victory you now have to kind of. As you push into December, be able to point to and say, this is what we're capable of. And mm-hmm. I know that the Saints and Bucks with Tom Brady kind of have this weird thing going on in the regular season where the Saints have a lot of success against Tom Brady and the Bucks in the regular season. So my question for you is, what was it about the game last week that allowed the script to go the way that it did versus what the Saints season has looked like with this team coming into Monday night football at seven and seven.
0: Yeah, no, I, look, I think that's a great question. And I think for any Miami Dolphins fans that either missed that game or didn't get a chance to watch it, definitely go back and check it out. Because what the Saints did on defense is really the story in this one, because they did a lot of things they haven't done so far this season, specifically in terms of the pressure packages on the defensive line, or I guess you could say within the front seven, a lot of Interior stunts, a lot of stunting from inside to out, from outside to inside as well. Uh, Had, you know, defensive tackles running the arc to get to become edge rushers with linebackers blitzing up the middle and then defensive ends dropping into coverage. I mean, they did a lot of exotic looks and, and a lot of things that they haven't done so far this season. So the question around that is how much of that do they continue to utilize throughout the rest of the season? How much of those just created tendencies that they'll look to break later? And what does it mean for guys like Cam Jordan, who you know missed that New York Jets win? Uh, He was on the uh, COVID protocols during that time. Now he comes back into this game, has two sacks, becomes the NFC defensive player of the week, forces a fumble. Is he going to be able to continue that momentum after a slow start to the season? So the big thing here is going to be watching how this New Orleans Saints defense continues to uh, kind of shape up what it looks like in terms of a uh, a pass rushing team.
1: Yeah, and when I look at the other side of the ball, and obviously a couple of field goals got the job done against Tampa Bay this past week, but um, Miami's offense isn't necessarily a strong suit either. But I, I look at the depth chart for New Orleans, and I understand that we're missing some pretty significant pieces versus mm-hmm. week one, right? Yep. Uh, so I just kind of wanted a snapshot update from you as far as Michael Thomas, I know he's on pup, and Jameis Winston's out for the year. But you know, I, I know guys like Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramcheck. Their availability has not been something that's been consistent over the past month or so. So, but what's the health status? Of a lot of these guys on the offensive side of the ball for the Saints coming into this game.
0: Yeah, the the two big names to watch on the offensive side are those very offensive linemen, Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramcheck. This team runs the ball much more efficiently when Teron Armstead is on the field. We saw the impact of having him. They're going up against the Jets uh, just a couple of weeks ago now when Alvin Kamara went, you know, over 100 total yards in, in that one. he Teron Armstead is just one of those guys that is so athletic, so uh, just unprecedented in terms of what he's able to do from that position, right? And him leading the way, not only for Alvin Kamara, but also for Taysom Hill becomes vitally important. They love to run to that left side. They ran 16 times towards Teron Armstead, only eight times the opposite direction with Teron Armstead in and Ryan Ramchick out. Getting the balance back in that run game in terms of the diversity of where what they're able to run and where they're able to run would be key going into this matchup. Up against the Miami Dolphins' run defense, that efficiency-wise is 22nd in the NFL in terms of EPA per rush. But is still a team that doesn't give up a ton on the ground. They're not one of the weakest teams uh, across the NFL when it comes to that area of the game. So the Saints offensive line getting healthier would be a big benefit for them.
1: Yeah. And that that Dolphins defense has shown a lot more life since I believe since week five, Mm -hmm. they haven't allowed more than 102 cumulative yards to a team uh, rushing in a single game. And I know Baltimore was, uh, they came in and under Lamar Jackson, they had uh, like 40 something times gotten yeah. over a hundred and only two or three times hadn't And Miami managed to hold them under a hundred yards. So uh, it, it's really been a fascinating tale of, of two halves of the season for Miami thus far. But Ross is, I, I look at uh, the quarterback matchup here between mm-hmm. these two and you alluded to it in the open, you know, Tua versus Taysom and uh, Taysom Hills opportunities to try to prove some of the hype that Sean Payton has provided for mm-hmm. him As a a quarterback, not just a player who can do a lot of things, but as an actual quarterback, uh, hasn't had a lot of help this year when you consider Michael Thomas is out. So, I guess my question for you is in the passing game, let's assume Mm -hmm. the Dolphins come into this game and they say, you know what, we're not going to let, we're going to do everything we can because you can't eliminate Alvin Kamara from the game. But if we want to try to mitigate the damage Alvin Kamara is going to do, and we're going to spend a lot of time paying attention to him. Who's the next biggest threat in the passing game that the Dolphins need to be wary of?
0: Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I, I think I, I would highlight Marquez Calloway, who just had the best game of his career last week up against Tampa's defense. He became the first New Orleans Saints wide receiver or tight end to have over 100 receiving yards in a game so far this season. Wow. So. The question that you're asking is probably also the question that New Orleans is asking in terms of who is that next big threat? Deontay Harris used to be that guy, but he'll miss this game because he still has one more game to serve on his suspension after an off-season arrest. The tight end room just got a little bit thinner. There's the potential that Adam Troutman and Juwan Johnson, who have both been added to the COVID-19 list over the course of these last two days, could be back in time on Monday with the new set of protocols across the NFL, which has really made it possible for players to get back within 10 days. But if those two guys don't make it back, then the Saints are going to be asking that very same question. So I would highlight Marquez Calloway. I would highlight Traquan Smith as probably the only other player on this offense that's really, really familiar with what it is that New Orleans does. Otherwise, the next big threat is Taysom Hill himself with his legs, as opposed to through the passing game.
1: Ross, I got I got one more for you, and it's mm-hmm. more so on the defensive side of the football. And y- you look at the some of the guys that New Orleans has that are super talented, like Marshawn Lattimore, Demario Davis, Cameron Jordan, David Ayameta at defensive tackle, mm-hmm. a lot of really quality starters, not just not just above average starters, but quality starters. Uh my question for you is the other guy, air quotes. Uh, On the defensive line in Marcus Davenport, I know New Orleans, they made a big splash to go up and get him in the first place. And his transition to the NFL has taken a little bit of time, but he's always been a very toolsy player. So as we're looking at the Dolphins and some of the struggles that they've had in their offensive line, and this is going to be a good litmus test for them because they've shown exponential improvement over the course of the last month of the season with their young offensive line that they've had. But Cameron Jordan, David Ayamata, and if Marcus Davenport is a big-time player, this can really be a big-time mismatch in New Orleans' favor or a litmus test for Miami to go out and prove that the improvements that they've made uh, are sustainable. So what has Marcus Davenport's season looked like this year, and how much has he lived up to the investment that New Orleans made in in him with two first-round picks to go get him?
0: Yeah, look, I got to say both of these units, right, the Saints defensive line and that Miami offensive line, both surging at the right time right now, and they're both going to get an opportunity here to learn a lot about each other, learn a lot about themselves, and will learn a lot about both of those units as well. And Marcus Davenport over the course of the past few games in particular, since he's come back from his most recent injury, he has really shown probably the best that he has been so far in his career here over these last, over this last, you know, Short uh, period since he returned. Uh, You know, picking up most of his sacks from the season over here, being the most disruptive. Uh, player on the defensive line. Uh, These are the things that New Orleans has been waiting to see from Marcus Davenport since they drafted him, right? And so I think that this becomes one of those big sort of stretch runs toward the end of the season that becomes really, really important to Marcus Davenport and figuring out exactly for the Saints what they have in him. They've got the fifth-year option picked up already. He's in New Orleans next year, will be the plan. But in terms of what his life looks like after that, right, what his future looks like with the team after that, He's starting to finally put himself in a position where maybe you don't say he's worth the two first-round picks yet, but he certainly raised his value to the highest that it's been so far on this team, and he'll look to continue that here over the course of this last few games of the season. So, Russ, I, lad, I have one more for you. Yeah, you play fantasy football. I love some
1: fantasy football. Did did you do a season-long league this year? Because my season ended last week, and that kind of stunk. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so you, did you do a season-long one?
0: You still in it? Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I started a season long one. I was kind of out by the middle of the season. <laughs> and so I went to daily. That's, what, that's exactly what I did.
1: Yeah. Uh, listen, nobody plays fantasy sports in general to lose, let alone daily fantasy sports, right? Winning feels so much better. But traditional fantasy sports are a long term losing proposition because you never know who or what you are up against. Stat Hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports pr- platform where it's you. Versus the house in head to head fantasy sports matchups. Winner takes all. Here's the crazy part Stat Hero shows you their lineups before you play, and you can handpick the team you want to face one on one. This never before seen innovation in fantasy sports and sports betting is a hybrid that Stat Hero players are clocking odds that are over four times better in because you don't have to compete against thousands of experts or unknowns. Stat Hero puts you in control of your own fate. With Stat Hero, you control the stakes. You decide how much you're going to play for, and Stat Hero has no choice but to take it because they're daring you to beat them. Stat Hero is head to head. That's exactly what daily fantasy should be one on one. You can sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. Stathero.com slash locked on. Promo code locked on. Terms and conditions apply.
0: All right, everybody, continuing on with this locked on crossover Thursday. Kyle Krabs locked on Dolphins. Ross Jackson locked on Saints here. Right, Kyle Krabs, honestly, with the, I think, Maybe possibly the front runner for best show logo on the entire network. That thing yeah. is clean. I love that I, logo so I, much. I
1: try to be to be humble, but the <laughs> Dolphins colors, and
0: it mixes well. The, though, I, some I think, of the think you're best, onto something. There you go. There's some there of goes. the best colors in the NFL. Absolutely no doubt about that. The New Orleans Saints, though, they're going to be looking to go full-on blackout this week. They have asked all the fans in the stands to wear all black. All that good stuff. So we're going to see uh, a little bit of a big matchup here. Obviously, the Saints trying to pump up the crowd here. Hey, and as always, thanks so much for making us your first listen of the day here on this show. Up, uh, so Kyle, I got some questions for you around these uh, Dolphins as well. I want to start off with yeah. the quarterback spot here. Tua Tonga looking, looking. I mean, the the improvement since the trade deadline has been awesome. Uh, I know a lot of Saints fans love to. A lot of Dolphins fans love to. Uh, I love seeing him succeed what is it that they have changed around this offense since that trade deadline that has worked in his advantage to really help spice him up a little bit? And how much of that do you expect them to continue against this New Orleans defense?
1: So I think what they've done is they've found a way, some unorthodox ways, I should say, to to bring some balance to their RPO concepts, Mm -hmm. where in the first month of the season and the first game against New England and then he got hurt in the second possession against buffalo and then right. he was on IR and missed 3 games and then came back against jacksonville and you know, they had three rough games and but Tua played reasonably well against bad defenses in jacksonville and atlanta before another date with buffalo which is a guaranteed L on the dolphins roster with the way things have been the last 4 years or so mm-hmm. uh but then the trade deadline came and Tua missed the start against the texans came in then second half on primetime again on thursday night football against baltimore And was really a catalyst. And it was then that they it seemed as though they found the ability to mix in some shots Mm -hmm. with their RPO game. They started getting more jet motion involved in the backfield. So there's there's more motion and guys running away from leverage and carrying momentum at the snap. And that jet motion with Albert Wilson or Jalen Waddell has turned into a lot of wheel routes. Out of jet motion. And they'll run a slant with that. They'll run spot concept with that. Mm-hmm. They'll do three levels stretched out. They're, they're trying to flood zones where they're, they've got a receiver on the line of scrimmage and he's going vertical and that wheel's coming behind it and they're trying to put that guy in a bind. There's a lot of things that they're doing that you don't usually see with RPOs at the NFL level because offensive linemen only have one yard to work with right. as far as being able to climb upfield before they're an illegal man downfield. And because they're blocking run a lot of the time, you don't have a lot of time to let deeper stuff develop down the field. Mm-hmm. So Miami's counter is they're moving the pocket a lot. They they're, you know, they're they're going with inside zone or wide zone, and two is rolling out to the same side as that jet motion. Mm-hmm. And it kind of turns into a half field read, but he's moving away from the unblocked defender on the backside because they're blocking run. And the balance that they've been able to strike with that on top of some max protect play action passing that they've gotten into. Mm-hmm plus the improvements themselves on the offensive line, has really kind of come together to allow them to, I think, realize what their vision for the offense was going to be this entire time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But when Tua goes on IR and misses effectively the first, four of the first five games of the season, and Jacoby Brissett's not running those kinds of concepts because they dropped all that stuff when he was in the game, I think now you're kind of seeing what they probably hoped it was going to look like around the midseason point before Tua got
0: hurt. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I mean, a lot of those things are the things that you would love to see New Orleans try doing with Taysom Hill. So it would be interesting to see how much these two offenses being able to be seen back to back and what that actually ends up looking like and how New Orleans ends up trying to implement some of those same things, moving the pocket, all of that. But we'll talk about more of that in terms of what wins look like as we get to that yeah. uh, here in just a little bit. Uh, next up, I want to talk about the run game. Duke Johnson finally getting some love in this Miami yeah. Dolphins offense. What was that like for you to see? And you know, how concerned should Saints fans be who you know, really lean on this New Orleans Saints run game quite a bit?
1: So here's the stat about the Duke Johnson game against the Jets that mm-hmm. is just like, that's so Dolphins. And that's a phrase Dolphins fans will <laughs> resonate with very, very well. Duke Johnson is the first, according to Elias, is the first Miami Dolphins running back to rush for 100 yards in his first career start with the team since Ricky Williams in 2002.
0: Very familiar with that guy.
1: He's also the first Miami Dolphins running back to rush for 100 yards against an AFC East opponent since Ronnie Brown did it (laughs) in like 2010. So if you want any kind of context about how tough the sledding's been for running the football in Miami, for Forever, this is as good of a back to back (laughs) on statistics as I can possibly draw up. But I'll say this um, Miami's offensive line is better blocking in the running game than they are in pass pro um, because they've got athletic heavy hitters inside. The return of Michael Dieter off of IR, and he looked really good when the season first started, and he had a foot injury and went on IR, and he missed about half the year, Mm -hmm. and he came back, and his return pairing with Austin Jackson, who was drafted in the top 20 to play tackle and around the Tampa Bay game, he got kicked inside and has been playing guard ever since. And he steadily improved, which I'm as surprised as anybody to hear that Austin Jackson looks like a reasonable quality starter at the NFL, which is what he looked like this past week and still has his negative reps here and there. And Robert Hunt, uh, since the thank uh, the, the Thursday night game in which he decided he was going to catch the screen pass and try and run it in for a touchdown. um, He's graded out by Pro Football Focus as a top 15 guard in the NFL since Week 10, so they've got a lot of really nice things going for them on, especially on the interior offensive line. But then Duke Johnson comes in and he he just run ran with a different set of urgency. And I would say the same thing for Philip Lindsay, who they picked off off waivers for the from the Houston Texans before he rolled his ankle and missed this past game uh, as well. He ran with a different sense of urgency. Than Savon Ahmed and Miles Gaskin have done. And like he ran like he had something to prove. Mm-hmm. And I think that energy and kind of that chip on his shoulder from a rushing style perspective, he had more yards after contact than any other running back in the league last week. Yeah. So I understand it's the Jets, but at the same time, like you got to have a little juice to you. And I think Duke brought that this past weekend.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, look, you can only play the teams on your schedule, right? You still have to perform the way that you're going to perform, regardless of who those opponents are. Last one for you, jumping over to the defensive side. Really curious about the situation with Javon Holland. What's the status update there? He's somebody that I loved coming out of the draft. I thought maybe the Saints might be interested, but they went ahead and held on to uh, Marcus Williams via the franchise tag that none of us expected (laughs) <laughs> with their salary cap situation, but Javon Holland, it, what's the status update on him? And you know, what does he bring to that defense that Saints fans should know about?
1: So the la- latest update that we had uh, with Javon Holland came mm-hmm. on Wednesday from Brian Flores uh, that he was still on the COVID list, mm-hmm. uh, or he had still not cleared COVID protocols. Sure, um, it's confusing because he was removed off the list on Saturday before the Jets game and then was named inactive and didn't play. And he's still not practicing because he still has not cleared uh, those protocols. So Mm -hmm. I don't really know the full details or specifics of what's going on. um, But the timing, he went on early last week. Mm -hmm. So if you're expecting a full duration, quote unquote, of, him being in protocols or not being able to clear protocols. I think that general timeline is about 10 days. Mm -hmm. So, and and with this being a Monday night game, I think we should probably expect to see him, but it's kind of a weird, odd, unique situation in uh, an environment that has prompted a lot of unique situations. This one's kind of like, it stands out as still being a little bit different uh, for his status and eligibility and and so we're we're hoping for the best but uh as of right now he's still not practicing.
0: Yeah. Very very dynamic player, definitely a name to keep yeah. an eye out on on that Miami Dolphins defense. We're going to talk more about that Miami Dolphins defense and this game as we take a look at the uh what what needs to happen for each of these teams to win. So we're going to break that down as we continue on and wrap up this locked on Dolphins locked on Saints crossover. But before we get to that, yeah, we talked a little bit about fantasy football, but Maybe we should talk a little bit about the uh, turning of fantasy into reality, right? Kyle, we are less than 100 days away from Super Bowl 56, SOFI Stadium in Los Angeles. Can you believe it that we're already right no, here? Like we're this close? I can't. It's, it's wild. Uh, and the best thing about this is that the official hospitality partner of the NFL on location is going to be the only place that can help set you up for a once in a lifetime Super Bowl ticket, as well as an experience Packages and you get to select your exact seats so none of those situations where you you, you buy some kind of you know big package just already put together for you and then they stick you up in the nosebleeds or you have these obstructed views or anything like that you pick the seats that you're actually going to sit in and then you get to choose from all these elite experiences as well including exclusive pre-game celebrations with nfl legends five-star los angeles hotels and food prepared by the great wolfgang puck that's pretty dope uh you can visit onlocationexp.com/sb56 for more information or simply search Super Bowl on location. Once again that's slash sb 56 or search Super Bowl on location. And I want to go ahead and take a look at the odds for this matchup. Right now the Saints favorite at home minus 3 over under is set at just 38. Pretty low scoring mm. affair expected for this one. Um And that might be one of the lowest actually that the Saints have had in the last 15 years. I think it's the third lowest in the last 15 years. Kind of crazy. Yeah, I think I'm 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 looking at the yeah, I think I'm looking at the over here. And if you want to bet the over on this one or anything else around this matchup, the NFL, the NBA, NHL, whatever it is that you're into, best place to head over to is going to be over at betonline.ag. Because betonline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Easiest, fastest, best place to place all of your bets. You can head over to the new website. Or you can check it out on your mobile device and sign up today. And if you're a new customer, you can get a 50% welcome bonus. So you put down $100, get an extra $50 on top of that to help swell that bankroll a little bit, raise that bag a little bit. All you have to do is use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to receive that bonus. Once again, that's promo code Locked On. That's over at BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, everybody, we are wrapping up today's episode here. Locked on a crossover, locked on Dolphins, locked on Saints. Got Kyle Krabs, Ross Jackson here rocking with you today, getting ready for this Miami Dolphins and New Orleans Saints Monday night football matchup. We went through the questions, but now let's talk about the game plan, the game script. What is it that the Miami Dolphins have to do to get a win in New Orleans?
1: I think one of the things that they're going to need to have to do that they have been... Hit or miss with is protect the football. They had three Mm -hmm. turnovers, were minus two in the turnover differential against the Jets, but managed to find juice and run for nearly 200 yards and controlled the clock for 35 minutes. Yeah. Uh, Tua Tongvaloa at one point tried his best to give the game away through a pick six when they were up 24 to 17, trying to milk the clock with about halfway through the fourth quarter uh, and and then had to go and engineer a game-winning drive, which he did successfully, but you'd ideally not have to be in that situation, right? So there were some chunk plays that were eliminated with penalties, obviously three turnovers, two interceptions from Tua. I think that's the big thing for me is don't beat yourself. You know, the, the yeah. defense has been playing really, really well uh, since week seven or week mm-hmm. eight. They're averaging less than 14 points allowed per game. They're averaging less than 200 yard or 300 yards of offense per game. So you think about that and as long as you don't put New Orleans in a position to have short fields, yeah. give them free points. I think that is the best you can possibly hope for especially against an an opportunistic Saints defense that has a lot of dynamic playmakers on it. So that for me is the number one thing is protect the football win the turnover differential, which everybody says going into every game, right? is a key talking point, but you really saw, I think in Miami plays probably 25 of the teams last week, they mm-hmm. lose the football game and I don't think they can come in with that same level of energy. Uh, I think another thing for them that's going to be important is being ready for the occasion. Uh, mm-hmm. This was a team last year that won 10 games and went into week 17, needing a win to get into the playoffs. And well, who would have thought at 1-7 at one and seven at one point we'd be talking about the playoffs for the Dolphins, but they've won six in a row. And this is a really, really good opportunity. You're going to be the last game of the week. You're going to know exactly where you stand. There's a lot of very realistic scenarios that could have you tied for the last playoff spot if you end up winning your football game. Yeah. So remember what it felt like to fall short last, last year when you won 10 games and still miss the playoffs. And then make sure that you use that to make sure you're focused, much more focused than you were coming out of a late season buy against the Jets last week.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, uh, it's funny how much that sounds like what the Saints had to do last week to beat Tampa Bay, right? Mm-hmm. It was the idea of ball control, not turning the ball over, don't give up the short field, all of that. I, I think you know that's a situation to where New Orleans could certainly struggle if, if Miami pulls all of that off for sure. So as we look at the New Orleans Saints and what it is that they need to do in order to get a win, I think that it's kind of replicating a little bit of what they did last week early on up against Tampa. So the defense has to be on. And this is where maybe you feel a little bit better about the health situation in New Orleans. Uh, The Tampa game last week and that win was only the second time this season that all 11 defensive starters were available for the New Orleans Saints. And that's the way that they were able to turn around and play. So I think if you – depending upon the health rolling into this game, right, up against Miami, if they can keep that health there, I think that becomes a big piece to what it is that the New Orleans Saints have to do to be effective and to get this win. On the defensive side, what the Saints love to do on the defensive line is they kind of play hockey. And what I mean by that is that they'll switch out the entire line. They'll throw four new – three new defensive linemen out there play to play, and then end up ending on third downs in these NASCAR packages or with three edge rushers effectively rushing up. Carl Granderson and Cam Jordan on the edge, they'll move Marcus Davenport inside, and then they have David Onyemata there. And that has been sort of the key, and that was a key recipe for them in terms of the success that they found against Tampa last week. So I expect to see more of that. What we didn't see last week that I think the Saints will probably employ here, especially with... To his blind side being the opposite side from what New Orleans is usually accustomed to is blitzing C.J. Gardner-Johnson out of the slot. Now, we know C.J. Gardner-Johnson is the player that can just kind of make anybody mad, but he's also Mm -hmm. a very good player on the field too, in particular his ability to be a pursuit player. So I look at that as being a big key for them. Uh, Marcus Williams has to take away those big shot plays that get matched into those RPOs, which is going to be a little bit challenging because he's very aggressive in the run game as well. So he could very easily be sucked down or sucked into some of those plays and then give up something over the top. He's been phenomenal so far this season. He's going to have to keep that up. And that's going to be part of what Demario Davis's responsibilities are in terms of setting all these guys up, right? The stars that you mentioned, these guys that play extremely well on the Saints defensive side, they all have to show up for this one and they have to show up big. The other piece over on the offensive side is, how much can you move Taysom Hill around? There wasn't a lot of moving Taysom Hill around last week, but also Sean Payton wasn't calling the plays. Sean Payton wasn't making the decisions, right? It was a combination of Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael while Sean was out. So if Sean Payton is back in this game, expect to see the pocket move a lot. Expect to see a lot of one-read options coming from... Uh, in the passing game to where you're looking at these levels concepts. So if the linebacker does this, then you do this. If the linebacker does that, then you do that. And if it's not there, then run. That's what a lot of this is going to be. How quickly can you make Taysom Hill make the decision to just pull it down and do what it is that makes him special and utilize his legs? And so expect to see this thing to really try to dominate on the ground in this one to A, protect the ball, right? Which we saw them do extremely well last week. And then B, also lean into what has worked for them so far this season because the passing game has been inconsistent but the run game when they can get it going it definitely works and obviously some of that comes down to health and safety and all that in terms of who's going to be available but if the new orleans saints can do that if they can limit the turnovers if they can run the ball play a little bit of ball control and if they can keep that exotic pass rush showing up keeping that those defensive line keeping that defensive line fresh and then try to make two as uncomfortable as possible that's we can get them a win on monday
1: really looking forward to seeing which one checks the most bullet points who does the, uh, ball security tricks since that's Mm -hmm. something we both referenced as well. And, uh, I agree with you. I think Miami making sure they're winning on first down is also going to be important to to stay out of those third, third and long. And same thing for new Orleans, right? Because Miami gets very exotic and they like their five Oh pressure package and mugged up linebackers and cover zero where they're playing catch coverage on the back end and they're sending the house at you. But next thing you know, they're dropping three guys off the Mm -hmm. same side and, uh winning first down, I think, is a, a, another mutual bullet point between these two
0: teams. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, I'm, I'm going to just be a thousand percent honest with you. New Orleans converting on third downs, period, would just be great to see. Because <laughs> there's not been a lot of that. they haven't had a game this season to where they've converted more than six third downs in a single game. So been a little shaky for them in that area. Well, so
1: the good news, everybody knows where you can tune in and find out. This is Monday <laughs> Night Football. We hope you enjoyed this crossover here on the Locked On Network. We don't just say your team every day. We live it, which is why we had a chance to link up Locked On Dolphins, myself, Kyle Krabs, with Ross Jackson, uh, with Locked On Saints. We hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. We hope you guys enjoy the weekend of football ahead, and hang in there. Monday night, we'll be here before you know it.